You're listening to the Run For Your Lives podcast. Welcome to the show. I'm Daphne. And I'm Pake. And this is the Run for Your Lives podcast. This episode, we are talking about the English language Spanish disaster drama film, The Impossible, directed by J.A. Boyana and released October 11th, 2012. Bayona? Bayona? I don't said Bayana. it. Bayona. I think Bayana. it's Bayona. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know much anything about this person. So <laughs> this is the first foray into this as far as I know. So he directed Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Ah. But he also did a great movie called The Orphanage, which is a Spanish kind of horror film. Yeah. I've heard of it. I don't know if I've seen it. I don't think I saw it, but I've heard of it. Yeah. Really, really liked it. And he's also going to direct two of the episodes for the upcoming Lord of the Rings TV series. Oh, sweet. So he's kind of busy. Cool. We picked this movie after covering all of these more humorous or lighter comedic monster movies. Yeah. So (laughs) this was like a huge shift from those. Yeah, for sure. We've covered like heavier movies before. But yeah, uh, this one, I didn't know exactly how um, hard it was going to be to watch in a lot of places. I had not seen this one before, but Netflix kept like recommending it to me. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, I need to check this out because Netflix just keeps yelling at me to watch it. So yeah. And like the picture they throw up is like baby Tom Holland. And I'm like, okay, I need to check this out. <laughs> I love Tom Holland. All right. <laughs> you know, this was his feature film debut. Yeah. You're so young. Like, you know, I, 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 you know, this is in my notes I get to later when we start talking about his character, Lucas, but like, just because I saw that, you know, when the, when Netflix recommended it to me before I watched it, I'm looking, I was like, my God, he is so little. He's yeah. So yeah. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> he was 14. In fact, I think the day that we're recording this, I think it's his birthday today. Oh, really? I think it is his birthday. I think he's turning 24. I like Tom Holland a lot, but I'm not enough to know when his birthday well, is. Well, <laughs> you know, it pops up on Twitter. Yeah. June 1st, 1996. Yeah. Yes. Well, so when we release this, it'll be like two weeks later. Yes. But the time we're recording this, happy birthday, Tom Holland. Yes. How perfect that we're recording his first movie on his birthday. That's I awesome. love it. I was really excited <laughs> when I saw that earlier. I'm like, is it really his birthday? And it was. So I'm super excited that we're covering it today. And yeah. one thing in the movie at the start of the film that is not really a spoiler they're playing on the beach, and his character does a backflip, and I'm thinking, is that really oh, yeah, that him? Perfect, that perfect oh. back handspring. I knew that was yeah. him doing that himself because I was like, yeah, he's so young, and he's already he's ready for Spidey. He's he is <laughs> he is. <laughs> they made the right call. I had to watch it a bunch of times. Like, is that a backflip, a back handspring, or a back tuck? And I think it's actually a back tuck. <laughs> is the right is the correct term for it? Yeah, oh he my god does the flip after yeah. the, the dance spring kind of part it's i don't know about gymnastics stuff that much so i don't know what <laughs> it was great but yeah it was him it was tom holland flipping around just 
pre-Spider-Man already knows where he's headed. I know. Because <laughs> that's because he's like, baby Tom Holland. I'm like, that's my Spider-Man. <laughs> this is weird. <laughs> yeah, he was 14 when he filmed the movie. He was playing a 10-year-old. Mm-hmm. And I forgot how amazing he was in this film. Like, he's so good. Even at that age, he was wonderful. Oh, yeah, just to yeah, jump the gun a little bit and talking about not necessarily his character, but Tom Holland himself in this movie. We'll talk about that. Like, yeah, I just, I was blown away. I was like, holy crap, Tom Holland is incredible. Like even, yeah, at 14 in this movie, like the emotion, the tears, like the agony, like when you see him going through like these emotional moments in the movie, it's believable. You're like, yeah, this kid is fucking incredible as an actor. He deserves the incredible career he has had now as an adult. Like, Absolutely. Man. He still looks really young to me even now. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the Spider-Man movies, I mentioned Spider-Man. He plays a high school student. And he's in his 20s. Yeah. <laughs> playing. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's definitely not that much of a stretch. He still looks really young. And He's got that, like, Ralph Macchio syndrome <laughs> where you just always look 20 years younger, 15 years, whatever. <laughs> You know, you just look younger than you are all the time. Uh, ten yep, years there's there's some fountain of youth that some people uh, in the world have access to that the rest of us don't. Yeah. This movie was based on a true story. And the director, he went to great lengths to make this movie as accurate to the situation as possible. Yeah. I think Maria Ballon, the real life Maria um, I think she said the biggest lie in the movie that they missed was that the ball was actually yellow and not red. Like they were, that's how <laughs> close they were to like the actual story is her biggest nitpick was the fact that the ball was the wrong color. <laughs> yeah. She was on set too. And she helped to write the script, which I thought was pretty fantastic. Mm-hmm. I feel like we should jump in before I <laughs> go over all my behind the scenes points. While we're having this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> so it was filmed in Pang Ta, Thailand, and various locations in Spain. They re- uh, The rebuilt Kowlak Orchid Resort served as one of the filming locations. The name of the family was changed from Bellon to Bennett. And as you said, uh, Maria Ballon was involved. She co-wrote the story for the film along with Sergio Sanchez. The producers of the film heard an interview on Spanish radio where the family was talking about their story and decided they wanted to make a movie of it. And Jay Bayana is a Spanish director, which we already talked about, brought us Jurassic World Two and Lord of the Rings TV series is involved in that. Response from the victims was relatively positive, especially citing that the Thai people who had just lost everything were really focused on helping others, which showcased the unity of the Thai community. Mm-hmm. It was really cool. Yeah, it's pretty great. So the budget for the film was $45 million and it grossed $198 million worldwide. Most of that was an international box office, mm-hmm. not within the U.S. It is 113 minutes, Paik. Mm-hmm. Bring on that wonderful synopsis that I'm sure is going to capture the <laughs> essence of this film. 
Sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This is the story of a tourist family in Thailand caught in the destruction and chaotic aftermath of the 2004 Indian Ocean tsunami. Yes. <laughs> it's pretty basic, cut and dry. Like, yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. It's interesting because I did a little bit of research, not a ton of research, but I looked up a few things to kind of preface going into this a little bit about the situation that happened. Because as we've said, this is based on a true story. Khao Lok is a coastal area in Thailand and one of the hardest hit by the tsunami. The Thai government reported that there were 4,812 confirmed deaths. Man. 8,457 injuries and 4,499 missing people mm -hmm. after the country was hit by the tsunami. Because the Kowlok area is mostly bungalows, like single-story motels, hotels, resorts, and not like more high-rise concrete hotels that we see in other areas, they were even harder hit than some yeah. places that were in the area, but were more built up. They had no idea that this was coming at all, and it took place on Boxing Day, which is the mm -hmm. 26th December. Um, yeah. One thing that I took from this movie, like, right at the beginning, is getting to see those moments where the family, they arrive on, you know, Christmas Eve. They're supposed to be on the third floor. We're given this these glimpses into... This lovely family, they're having a wonderful holiday. They have dinner together. The next day they open presents. At the dinner, they release those, I think, paper lanterns. Yeah. And those go up. It's it's just this beautiful experience. And then everything goes to heck in a handbasket <laughs> with the tsunami. Yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. Uh, you know, just watching... Because, I mean, I know what the movie's about, obviously, going into it, so... You know, I have like, you know, all these like moments of like sweetness and calm and like family bonding. You're like, oh, this is not going to last. Like this is no. just enjoy it while it's here. Because <laughs> they, yeah, they really, a, yeah, painted like this really beautiful family. It's a montage like of all these different pieces. Like Christmas, they get presents, including the red, supposed to be yellow ball. Yeah. Which they're playing with on the beach. It's such a small Luke thing, but I had to make a note of it. That I yeah. loved the artistic cut of Simon unwrapping the ball and then immediately like the ball being in the same place and frame bouncing across the beach. I was like, that was a really like creative artistic <laughs> cut. And I, whatever editor decided or came up with that idea, I was like, bravo to them. That was amazing. <laughs> it's a little thing. But <laughs> I felt like the film really was very thoughtful in the way they presented things. Mm -hmm. And I think. This is the first movie we've covered that is a true story because, I mean, we cover a lot of monster movies, so most of those are not. <laughs> <laughs> Come on now. I want to believe in King Kong. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, <laughs> Skull Island was a documentary. Um, but <laughs> Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But no, but this is, I think this might be the first time we've done that. And so I just, even with that knowing that, like, everything we're going to talk about actually happened in one capacity or another, it's like, this is going to be... A different, like a more sober, like heavier episode than what we usually have been doing. But I think uh, it's okay. Like, I'm kind of excited to do that. Me too. I enjoy all the different movies that we cover. And you're right. This is the first one that's really, it's based on a true story. It had 
the family, or at least the mom, Maria, was involved in this film yeah. in writing the story and was there to really focus in on making sure that things were authentic to what she experienced. And there was so much that happened to her, that happened to her family. Watching it, knowing that it's based on a true story, knowing how much effort was put into making it be realistic. Yeah. Made me internalize it even more. And my reaction to things, I mean, the tears, there were tears. Yeah. I got chills at certain points, too, when things would happen. And it just, you know that so many families did not get that ending mm -hmm. with that, you know, catastrophe, disaster. Oh, yeah. I mean, I have so you, a, a note about that, you know, and we'll we'll go back into more linear stuff in a minute. But absolutely, I, I don't mind jumping way ahead here to the very end of the movie. <laughs> but because you bring it up, I have a note. So 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 at the end, we have you know Maria surviving, and then the Bennets are headed home, and they're they're she's you know still in this like hospital bed kind of you know stretcher kind of thing that they're pushing her. But they're you know walking the whole family who has been reunited. They've all survived, and they're walking them out towards the plane. And it's oh, it's a lot of it is through going. is a lot of it is from Lucas's perspective. You really get to see Lucas looking and like his reaction, but he's looking at all the other families who were not as lucky and people who lost people or who were still couldn't find family members or knew you know were getting news of the of their family members' deaths as their entire family is together walking towards the plane and he even sits there and I think you can see it hit Lucas that like he realizes that they are the lucky ones that like most other people yeah. in the situation do not have the happy ending that they had. No, definitely not. And once I was, I got the same feeling watching them wheel her to the plane. And they're, like you said, they're going by like the notice boards and yeah. people are finding out that family members have died. And then after that, they're going by basically bodies yeah. that have been wrapped up. And you see his express, like his face, and you just know that he realizes they're very lucky. Yeah. Because there are so many stories about families who didn't. You know, they they may have lost everyone in their family, mm -hmm. or at least one person in their family, and it it's it's just very sad. Yeah. And I feel like this movie really hit me in the heart, and that. Yeah, there were definitely tissues available when I was watching this <laughs> film. And I don't cry at movies that often, but this I one I do all really... the time. It's nothing new for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I kind of thought you might. I think I warned you to make sure you have some tissues available for this one. It's not going to be easy. <laughs> yeah. But... I wasn't sure, too, when I was making my notes, if we should cover it like we usually do with characters, or change it up but i chose to stick with the character yeah. format well i think yeah and the way that we've been doing it lately is we know we kind of jump around by the time we get yeah. done with our first character section we're like oh we've covered a lot of notes <laughs> for everybody else too and that's fine yeah. i mean yeah with these i mean it's hard to call like a family who's portraying an actual real life family an ensemble cast but it kind of is yeah. what it is uh yeah but yeah i mean there's definitely focuses i think Strangely enough, yeah, I think that like the character of Lucas does kind of end up being the main character. He has the most that he does. <laughs> he does, and that is not how I when I started doing my notes, I did not have him as like the featured main character. 
Mm-hmm. But by the end, I kind of felt like he was, even though so much of his story is kind of interwoven with Maria's. Yeah. I feel like it actually was like two different character groupings. You had Maria and Lucas, and then you had Henry, Thomas, and Simon. Mm-hmm. And those were like two different stories. I mean, we didn't even know until an hour, almost an hour into this movie if Henry and the other two boys survived. Yeah, exactly. Because, yeah, being the first time I watched this, and I didn't look into the real-life story, so I didn't know... So there's, yeah, that first hour of the movie, I'm like, did they really cast Ewan McGregor in this movie just to, like, kill him off in the first 15 minutes and then we never <laughs> see him again? Like, I was really, I didn't know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think that added to watching the movie and feeling what the characters were feeling. Yeah. Because they were feeling that sense of loss, and I think by not showing us anything, it gave you, like, 45 minutes of, oh my god, did they make it or not as you're journeying with maria and lucas you're in that same mindset that they are where you're like we don't know where henry and thomas and simon are we don't know if they're alive or dead we don't know and yeah so when it puts you in the mindset of the characters you're following yeah it really does help immerse you in that story and help you emotionally feel what's going on it gives that weight to it yeah it definitely this movie hit me in a lot of different ways And I'm really excited to break it all down. So I feel like we should probably just get to it. Yeah. And um, (laughs) based on notes here, uh, I said, you know, we'll start with, (laughs) loosely start with Maria Bennett, the character here, (laughs) um, which Naomi Watts, just awesome. 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 Killed it. She did kill it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And so here's what I already said loosely, because, you know, I'm going to blow it up past her just a little bit but just you know to introduce the family like i said we get set up with this really cool you know portrait of of a beautiful little you know family unit you know maria and henry and their three boys on vacation to thailand for christmas and mm-hmm. it's just this this beautiful thing but yeah we get you know maria and henry like i said naomi watts you and mcgregor and then their three boys in order of oldest to youngest we have lucas thomas and simon and yeah, Lucas, of course, Tom Holland, and then <laughs> don't have the other two boys. I do actually. So Name. Thomas was played by Samuel Jocelyn, mm-hmm. and Simon was uh, played by Oakley Pendergast, mm-hmm. and they both have continued to act. But and I can't remember which one. One of them has been in a lot more things, and the other one's just been like sporadic. Oakley Pendergast, the younger one, I think, has done more. Just yeah. based off of that name sounds familiar. Like I've seen it in IMDb yeah. cast lists of other things before. Yeah. So we have this beautiful family. Mm-hmm. And it seems like, you know, they've been living in Japan, which is not too far from Thailand. Yeah. Like as far as taking a trip for Christmas to, you know, Kowlock is not out of the question because it's not. They're not traveling all around the world. You know, it's not yeah. that far. It's not like if they tried to go home to to England for Christmas. Yeah. And um, Maria's a doctor, but she's not uh, practicing right now. She's really focused in on raising the family, and her it's her husband that's working. Yeah, I like when they're talking to uh, Roger, the guy that works at the resort. Yeah. Yeah, this is kind of almost one of my quotes, and then I didn't end up putting it in there officially. But So it's not even in my notes. I'm just remembering off the top of my head. Uh, 
but yeah, it says something about that. He said, you know, I'm, you know, I'm a doctor, but I, I haven't actually been practicing for a while because I'm just staying at home raising the kids. And then Roger says, oh, you got you got promoted. That was great. <laughs> I want to ask some of my friends who have kids if they feel that way, like it's a promotion, because <laughs> I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Maybe. <laughs> and we mm-hmm. meet them when they're on the plane going to Thailand. I loved seeing into Maria and Henry's relationship when they're talking about who armed the security system and trying to remember if it was armed or not. And they just have this really, you know, organic, not organic, but just this really nice relationship with each other. So you can tell that they're some, they're a happy couple. Mm Mm-hmm. They're, they're one, it's not like there's some underlying tension where they're not getting along. It just seems, you know, this is a couple that they really care about each other and they care about their family and you see them and instantly I didn't want anything bad to happen to them because yeah. they just seem like, you know, they're really nice people and you just, you know, but I knew what was coming. Like yeah. I knew that first time I watched it, I knew what was coming. So mm-hmm. It wasn't going to be a surprise. Exactly. It's not a movie about a tsunami and then we're not going to have one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> just kidding. We just It's just two hours of this adorable family enjoying Christmas holiday <laughs> in, in Thailand. Hope you yeah. enjoyed it. Smile. Yay. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> not quite. Not quite. No. <laughs> and they actually, um, I rewatched it again today because I like to watch it at the day of the podcast, just to have it fresh, even more mm-hmm. fresh. And they were supposed to be in a third floor room or suite, but yeah. they ended up on the first floor because I think it was a really busy, the place was full of tourists. Every yeah. article I read about the tsunami said that it was tourist season. People were there vacationing yeah. with their families. And that's why, you know, the death toll was so high is because so many people were there, you know, vacationing. It was a prime time to do that. Yeah. It's a popular spot. Mm-hmm. So yeah, with, with the tsunami hitting pretty quickly, yeah, is where everything shifts. You know, we've talked about this, you know, sweet family moments and then it just on a dime just turns and, and then it doesn't let up at all. Like even after the waves have subsided and it's just death and destruction everywhere the tension and the like horror. I mean, that really what it is, the terror of what's going on. It does not let up. It doesn't. It doesn't let up for a second. When I was watching it over the weekend, I made special note of the tsunami itself and they really had no time to prepare. It just came first. The power goes off and the wind's blowing the ball starts rolling and the glass is shaking and the birds are flying. And then in the reflection of the door, you see trees start falling Mm -hmm. and then there's chaos. Yeah. You know, and then darkness. (laughs) Yeah. And yeah. When, then when we come back to from there is where, you know, Maria, which I guess is a good thing to talk about her first because she's who we experience this with first. Yes. And it, it, Starts with her just clinging to a palm tree and just screaming. And it really set the tone for what this was going to be. I it was like, did. Already, like, I was like, oh, shit, this is rough. Um, I mean, she's screaming and, like, you know, I, I can feel that. And, like, she's terrified, one, because she's clinging to a tree as all this water is rushing past her. And 
she has somehow survived. We see later on in kind of a little flashback thing as she's going under for her surgery, kind of everything she went through in those moments when the water hit. But, you know, so she's terrified of that. But then the other thing you can like already kind of connect with the character enough to know she's screaming because it's just her. Yeah. Where's her husband? Where are her sons? What is, you know, she doesn't know if any of them are even still alive, where they are, what's happened. And you can connect in that moment immediately, like just the horror that she's going through. Yeah, I thought it was very clever, too. They show her screaming, then the camera pans out. And all you hear is the water and you Mm -hmm. can see that she's still screaming, but you can't hear her. Yeah. And I feel like that really adds to that tension and intensity because you could be yelling and screaming and no one can hear you. No one can come help you. I mean, and everyone was in the same boat. Like you couldn't go help anyone else at that point. It was just, how do I stay alive? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you see that whole section because, yeah, I mean, Lucas comes floating by and he's screaming and she notices him. So she lets go of the tree and starts floating down behind him because that's just what you do. You're like, yeah, I have to I have to go after my kid. Like, that's. Yeah, and, and you he's know, then, screaming. Yeah. I mean, and he is a kid. He is a kid. And mm-hmm. I feel like we see Lucas. I saw Lucas in this film in different ways. Yeah. Like at this point, he's a kid screaming for his mother. And this is when I feel like she snaps out of her screaming and that intensity to realize, oh my God, that's my son. I've got to try to get to him. Yeah. Like she lets go of, you know, the fear. Because I feel like this film too was about fear. It was a lot of fear Mm -hmm. at different times, different characters. And so she goes after him and she wasn't as banged up at first. Yeah, well, a lot of those injuries were, as we saw, like I said, when she's going under for surgery, we see the big gash on the back of her leg that ended up needing the surgery came from the initial impact. Uh, Yeah. A lot of stuff. But yeah, uh, she got banged up more, yeah, as she's going after Lucas, especially the, like, branches underwater stabbing through her. Uh, I literally, like, bit my knuckle. Like, when that happened, I was like, oh, God. Like, I mean, it got, like, a visceral reaction from me watching the film. I'm like, oh, no. Ugh. Like, I know whenever, like, I I can handle a lot of gore and blood and, you know, stuff like that. I mean, I'll sit there and watch a movie like, you know, the Saw movies and stuff and be completely yeah. unfazed by it. But there's something about when it's realistic injuries in times of struggle like this where it's it's not for like a sick entertainment purpose but it's literally to show the horrors of like just like a natural disaster and stuff like this yeah it affects me differently and a lot of this movie i'm just going like fuck this is hard to watch because like her trying to get up in the tree and just gushing blood from her wound and i'm like i can't this is rough (laughs) even when they were just they were walking through what look like just like reeds and water mm-hmm. and they start to get out of the water. And Lu- from Lucas's point of view, seeing that whole big flap of skin. God, yeah. And she turns around and looks at him and her tank top has ripped. Mm-hmm. And so her boob is just hanging and you see the damage that the tree did. Yeah. I could feel that. Oh my God. I just, I'm like, oh, no, oh, (laughs) it felt, yeah, I, it made me very queasy. 
Yeah. And then also looking at it from his perspective, this is a little boy who doesn't see his mother like that. Like he doesn't, kids don't see their mother standing there with her boob hanging out. Like yeah. he's so feeling so like awkward about it. And it's like, mom, I'm not supposed to see you this way. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, oh gosh, you know, at that point, you're not even thinking about those things. You're just thinking about, we got to survive. That's all that we need to pay attention to. But yeah. there are these situations that were very awkward for him. And he, Tom Holland did such a great job, like portraying that awkwardness. Yeah. He, he looks away and. His, his character, again, jumping ahead a little bit, but yeah, rides that really fine, like not really like riding the line. I mean, he jumps back and forth, but that. That's the realism of it is you see him go through so much like bravery and courage and strength that a 10 year old should not have to, you know, contend with these kind of things. But you see him, yeah. really, you know, succeed in these things. But then you also see him as a, the little boy that as he a kid. is like it kind of back and forth where like he's putting on that best brave face and like doing what he can. And he does some incredible things. Yeah. But then at the same time, like, oh, but he is a 10 year old boy. Like. Yeah. And that that child part of him still comes through and you're like, man, I just want to give him a hug right now. <laughs> well, and I think, too, their relate his relationship with his mother, he became her caretaker. Yeah. Like he made sure she got up in the tree. He, you know, went, shared the soda. He was just trying to take he was like trying to be the ringleader or the 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 dad figure, or the leader of the family. Yeah. Because even when they're walking before they get up, even get up in the tree, they're walking to figure out, okay, where should we go? What should we do? We need to get to a high ground. They hear a little boy crying and Maria's first response is we need to go help him. And oh my goodness, you know, Lucas is very adamant. No, Mm -hmm. no, we're not going to go do that. You yeah. know, and they start talking about his little brothers and he just says to her, you know, she says to him, wouldn't you want, basically, wouldn't you want someone to help your little brothers if they're out there in this situation? And he basically says, my brothers are dead. They're dead. Like, yeah, that was rough. That was rough. Cause I was like, you know, he's, he's way too young to be considering the risk of helping a child in need versus survival of yourself. Like, yeah. And I was like, you know, he's already, and you're already seeing that he's giving up hope and mm-hmm. that he's just crushed. His spirit is crushed and he's putting all of his focus on making sure that he doesn't also lose his mom. And yeah, yeah it's, that's a rough moment there. And I'm, I'm really happy that she's able to convince him to, to yeah. do the right thing. And it's the, what she says. I mean, when she's like, we have to go help this kid, even if it's the last thing we do, even if that means that we die too, we can't live knowing that we didn't do something yeah <laughs> yeah there were times that the two of them had these very small moments where you could really see a bit more into their relationship with each other mm-hmm. because i think lucas and his mom were pretty close yeah i got that impression from the beginning and he at one point says to her and this is when they're hanging on to the tree not the big tree they climbed into, but this big branch. And he mm-hmm. said, I wasn't brave and I was in, and I'm scared. And she just kept going, shh, and tells him that she's scared too. Yeah. And you could see that he 
it just made him feel a little bit better. I mean, this is a terrifying situation for an adult to be in, let alone a 10-year-old kid. Yeah. It's not something that you ever dream of. I mean, this is just a terrifying ordeal. Oh, yeah. It's there's, it's a lot. Like, you know, I go back to, I mean, it was, you know, seeing the visceral things that they go through. Because I had in my notes, you know, I was like, um, you know, like, you know, with like saw and stuff that I said, there's like torture porn. I was like, this is like suffering porn. <laughs> this is what this is. It's like, you're just watching them go through horrific thing after horrific thing. And it's the, the, the horrible like injuries and the cuts and the gashes and the bruises and the, and it just one thing after the other. And you're like, man, even when they get like that little bit of reprieve where they're in the tree drinking the soda and they're like that calm moment. But like you still are so on edge, you're like, what's what's next? Where yeah. where do they go from here? Because you can tell Maria is getting worse and worse and mm-hmm. worse. Like her, she, she is not in good shape, and she needs help, or no. she's not going to live. Yeah. And that's when they find you know these uh, you know local people from the village nearby are out searching for people, and they go with them, and they're doing their best. But you know, as the man is dragging her backwards through all the wreckage and just her leg is just bouncing off stuff and just the pain that she's in and man you know it's interesting you bring him up because maria balon told oprah daly that this man would not allow her to die Mm -hmm. and dragged her through the mud for a really long time and he didn't leave until he knew she was in good hands Mm -hmm. like he was so focused on rescuing her and i think she looks at that i mean that was a big key to her survival the fact that they were found when they were yeah because the longer they were out in the elements in the water and her wounds were getting infected yeah i mean she looks pretty rough by the end of the film oh yeah i mean sepsis probably Mm -hmm. i mean it was really really bad oh yeah well just everything that she but yeah just yeah the end the infection from everything that's in that water and everything, but then yeah. the internal damage, internal bleeding. I mean, she's coughing up blood and oh, the point God. where she's like puking up blood and like seaweed and stuff that had like lodged itself in her from like near drowning. And I mean, her body was in terrible shape. And she says to Lucas at one point, what color is my leg? And he mm-hmm. says red. And we start to learn, okay, well, if it turns black, it's going to be bad. Yeah. And so she asks him that a couple of different times. Mm-hmm. But they make it to this village and they don't waste any time, these villagers. They just go and get clothes. They they give them clothes and they get this door and put her on it, and they're going to take her to the hospital. Like, they're yeah. just on it. And they're hugging her. She's thanking them. And they're just hugging her and being so, like, caring. And that one villager, the one that dragged her out, he's very determined. Like, he, they get to the hospital yeah. and walks up the steps and people are in the way. And he's just pushing them out of the way. He's not going to take oh, any. Yeah. Yeah, he's he makes gonna sure to get her in there. <laughs> he goes to Lucas and like tells her, like, I mean, he doesn't speak English, he can't communicate with him per se, but like he lets him know is like that they took your mom. That way you need to yes. go. And like he wants to make sure that they are taken care of. Like you said. Yes. And I guess you know what Maria Balone, the real Maria had even said is the the man that this guy is portraying is the real life person that helped her 
was the same way where he made sure that she was taken care of before he left. Yeah. So they make it to the hospital and then he leaves off to save another person. Mm-hmm. Like how many people, I mean, would have died had the, had he, not just him, but other villagers who took it upon themselves to try yeah. to save people. That's what community is. That's mm-hmm. what caring for your fellow man is all about. I mean, they were devastated too. I mean, a lot of them lost everything, but whatever they had left, they were giving it up to help people in need. And that's a big lesson that everyone should take to heart. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what else much to say about Maria. Um, I mean, we just kind of follow her because then, yeah, that's where the movie really shifts over to following Henry and his journey and then we get a little more awesome stuff with lucas which we'll talk about later through this this moment but but maria herself yeah then i mean that's about all we get from hers her just getting in worse and worse shape until finally she's able to get the surgery well she goes through two surgeries they get one to stabilize her yeah to take care of her chest wound yeah and then they have to get her back in to do something because her leg I mean, at one point she asked Lucas what color it is and he says red. I don't think it was red. Yeah, I don't. They didn't really like follow up on that. But like I could tell where he's like at that point just chooses to lie to her to. Yeah. Which I was fully expecting her to have to amputate. And so I'm surprised that they didn't have to. I know. I know. I mean, because that that hospital was not it didn't showcase that hospital being a sterile environment. Yeah, no. How can you be when you have that many people? Yeah. I mean, we're talking about over 8,000 people injured. Mm-hmm. You know, just terrifying. Oh, yeah. They they did the best they could. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And so it's it's great that, and I, that nurse, that they don't really ever give her a name, that helps Lucas through all this, you know, where there's a mix-up with the names. They have, instead of Maria Bennett, they have her, like, uh... A different name, Muriel something. Uh, I wrote that down. And so they, yeah, so they have misidentified her as Muriel Barnes. So he mm-hmm. thinks something bad has happened to his mother. And so the nurse has taken him to the tent with all the other kids. He's given this little white tag that has his name on it. And mm-hmm. he's just terrified. And at that point, he was a kid again. Yeah. When he wasn't with his mother, he was acting like a kid. And when he was with his mother, he was the caretaker. Yeah. And shifting back and forth to see that in him. I mean, this was an incredible experience mm-hmm. for him to go through. And we'll learn a little bit later because I actually did some research on where Maria and her family are now. Yes. And what they're yes. up to. So I have some updates on that. So That's I think cool. that will be really cool. Mm-hmm. And I say props to that nurse that. Helps Lucas out, but then also, I mean, she's the one that's like, really make sure that we're getting her for surgery now. We're doing, she's in good hands. Like we're, yeah, she she worked with the family once they all showed up to very well, but she made sure that stuff was taken care of. Yes, absolutely. She did. I felt like when she was around, he just seemed a little bit calmer. Yeah. And he had a point person. He had someone to go to. Yeah. Because when she was starting to go really downhill and she's saying things that don't make any sense, 
he goes to her and said, you've got to do something, my mom now. And she, you know, she tells him she's honest with him. She says, we're doing the best we can. We're going to get her into surgery. There was one point before that where he asked her, my mom's going to be okay, right? And she doesn't answer him. Yeah. And I think she knew the situation was dire. Mm-hmm. Which is, is great for, like, you know, that's, you know, shout out <laughs> to just healthcare professionals in general with, I mean, that's dealing with things like this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you look at how things have been in the last 14 months dealing with the pandemic, Mm -hmm. healthcare professionals have stepped up to take care of people and done the best that they can, fighting a very difficult battle. And I think watching this movie just amplifies that. At least it did for me. Just made it. I already was appreciative, but it really increased my appreciation for. Those who have a very tough job. Mm-hmm. For sure. So do you have anything else on Maria? Most of what I have on Maria is like at the like when she's reunited with Henry, and I think we should wait to talk about that till we get yeah. there. All right, cool. Which, speaking <laughs> of Henry, I have a few notes on him. Not a whole lot. Yeah. But a, a few. Um, mainly that, you know, we talked about like an hour into the movie, we finally just, and it's a hard cut right back to him just trudging through the mud and they even they, again they just left us like trying to figure out and put pieces together because he's just walking through the mud alone and he finds the ball and so you're like what what's happened to him like you know and he's yelling the thing that kind of took me out because he's yelling for lucas and maria over and over yeah and i was like what about your other two kids <laughs> like yeah and so then being the first time i'm like questioning i was like so did is like where are they did they die and he's already had like he's already they've already been dead and so now he's just looking for remaining family or what so that tension in me i'm like what is what is happening so it was it was a sigh of relief when you really like and they don't like spell everything out for you you kind of put the pieces together that like oh he has already been rescued and kind of like found like a group of other survivors that are there at the place that they were at and so he just left the other two kids that they also made it out. And I love that when he tells his story of, you know, how they both survived and, you know, talking to them about helping him give, you know, give him hope that, you know, the others are out there. And so he can leave them with the other survivors and he's still going out and looking for the other two members of his family that he has not found. Yeah. That moment where he's getting ready to let the kids go. Off. I believe he was sending them with Simone to get on to go up into the mountains or just get out of the area. And he basically, they're talking about being scared. And he says, you know, do you know what the scariest bit for me was? And the kids, you know, are not sure. They're like, Oh, going underwater or, you know, he says, no, after that, when I came up and I was on my own, that was the scariest part. And when I saw the two of you clinging to the tree, I didn't feel so scared anymore. I knew I wasn't on my own. Yeah. And I, I mean, the kids, I mean, kids don't understand. They know it's bad, but they don't, I mean, this is a very serious situation. Mm-hmm. And all they want is their dad to like take care of them. Just like Lucas wants his mother. Yeah. Like, they just want, you know, parents are the ones who make everything okay. They're the ones that make you feel better when you're a little kid. Mm-hmm. 
and to not, you know, they don't know if their mother's alive. All they have is their father. They don't want to lose that. They don't want him to leave them. They want to help him look Yeah. for Maria and Lucas. And he's just, you know, very adamant. No, you can't, you know, I have to do this myself. And, you know, you're going to go with Simone. You're going to go into this area and you'll be safe. And I, and I'm thinking to myself, he knows that, that they'll be safe. So he won't have to worry about them. Yeah. He can focus all of his energy on finding Maria and Lucas. Mm -hmm. And it's always because, you know, you now watching this know in hindsight, you're like, they're at a hospital. They've been taken care of. So it's like, if you went to where other people are, you'll be reunited with them at some point. Like things will work out. But then you put yourself in your mind, his mindset, like he doesn't know. And so that is a hard decision to make. You're like, well, do I just go to safety and hope that they also have been found and then we can reunite? Or does me going off then, you know, take away any chance of me finding them if they are still out there somewhere? Yeah, I would think I was thinking about that, too. And I think the thing that made this so dire and so intense is Maria needed better care. Mm -hmm. They needed to get her out of thailand yeah i mean the hospital was doing the very best it could that was i mean obvious they were way over their heads Mm -hmm. she had some serious infection and i just to me it seemed like they had to get her out of there and lucas couldn't do that on his own like he didn't even know the last name of brian Mm -hmm. who was his grandfather yeah so yeah, it was just such a very intense situation all around. For sure. A lot of a lot of tension in this movie. Lots of tension. Yeah. And so you mentioned, yeah, Henry sends the other two kids back so he can stay behind. But then he is injured and cut up and bruised. And I mean, not to the levels that Maria is, obviously. But still, I mean, they're all about it. Whatever the makeup artists and stuff on this movie, just having like the blood vessel in his left eye just bust the whole movie and like you just see it whenever he's you're like man that is incredible like it's rough to look at but they did an incredible job my only nitpick i would say is maybe on a tom holland i wasn't sure what like the bruises down his spine like perfectly it was like it looked like he was like cupping (laughs) for like some kind of athletic thing I was like, That's did he get in a fight I with an octopus too. under the water? What happened? Um, oh, no, uh, <laughs> that was my That's only... That's what I thought as well. That one was a little distracting. I was like, I don't know what the like bruises down his spine are supposed to... How that would have happened and what that's supposed to be. But but everything else, I was... Let me say, the stuff with Maria, like I mentioned, the like, wound in her leg and in her chest. And those were hard to look at because they were so realistic. And yeah. then Ewan McGregor's eye was brutal incredible the way that they did it and i was like man that's just because you can't help but focus on it whenever this like camera is like close on his face and you're like damn <laughs> yeah Ugh, <laughs> so beaten up and i have notes about how they film some of these things mm-hmm. and it's crazy like the amount of effort work that went into this movie to bring it to make it look as authentic as it did look i I couldn't believe it when I was reading some of the things. It's just a lot of effort w- went in. Mm-hmm. It seemed like, you know, not just the director, but everyone was committed to making this movie be 
what it ended up being, which was, you know, a pretty accurate depiction of a family's fight to survive in a in the aftermath of a tsunami. Yeah. But, uh, so on Henry, I was saying, uh, I am glad that like after dark, he does make the decision then to wind up going to a shelter. Yes. With other people that, you know, there is like a line where he's like, it doesn't do anybody any good for me to be out just in the dark with all this destruction. You're not going to live out there that way. No. Out looking in the dark, that's how committed he was to trying to find them. Mm-hmm. Like, he's out in the dark in a place that's very unstable. Yeah. And he's out there, which is, you know, part of why he got hurt. But he, like you said, he does finally give in. He goes to a bus station with some other survivors. Mm-hmm. And that's where he meets Carl. Yeah. Who lets him use his cell phone after another man earlier was just like, see, everyone needs something and was just very. Uh, yeah. That <laughs> I get it. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, like it, you feel like angry at those people. But yes, it, it also you get it. I mean, earlier in the movie, we see Lucas very willing to just like ignore the cries of some little boy for him and his yes. mother. So you get it. But <laughs> Yeah, definitely. But that is not what happened when when Henry meets Carl. They sit down and, you know, Carl, you know, basically says to him, have you made a call home yet? And Henry says, no, he couldn't find a phone. So Carl immediately offers his phone and allows him to call Brian, mm-hmm. who I'm guessing is his wife's father. I think that's Maria's father. Yeah, that's yeah. what I gathered from that. Because... Lucas didn't know his last name, so it would have yeah. been her maiden name. Yes. And then he, then Henry just calls him Brian, so, yeah. Yeah. So he calls Brian, and he, at first, is, like, trying to explain the situation, and then he gets hysterical. That- Really. That scene. Oh. Uh, that, that was the first time that I broke down. I was bawling watching this movie, is in that scene where he has just lost it on the phone with his father-in-law, just like barely being able to get any kind of audible words out saying that like, you know, Thomas and Simon I found, but like Maria and Lucas, I don't know where they are. And I don't, and he just, yeah, like you said, hysterical. And so in my notes, I said, God, I love you and McGregor, but why does he have to go and crush me like this? Because <laughs> I can't, I can't handle this. <laughs> oh, he was so distraught and Brian's on the other end trying to calm him down mm-hmm. because he knows if he can just calm him down, he'll, he can, you know, help him get his head on straight and he can, you know, focus on what he needs to do next. But Carl just ends the call and gives the phone back to um, Carl. Stop that. Reverse it. <laughs> so Henry just ends the call in the middle of, of being hysterical. Yeah. And Carl gives the phone back to Carl and Carl just gives it right back to him and says, you can't leave it that way. Yeah. You've got to, you know, call him back. And so he calls him back and explains the situation. And then we learn a little bit more about Carl. Um, He's there on vacation with his wife, Kathy, and his two-year-old daughter, Gina, mm-hmm. who happened to be on the beach when the tsunami hit. Yeah. Which does not bode well. No. Um. And so, but he decides he's going to go with Henry and look for his family 
and they were going to do it together. So they kind of worked together. Poor, poor Carl. He had a crutch. He was not, I mean, he wasn't in great shape, but it, I think it was an injury before. Yeah. He mentions like he didn't want to go to Thailand or, you know, one his of, wife didn't want to go to Thailand. His wife didn't want leg. to because of, you know, he's got this like disability with his leg or whatever that like he was going to have a hard time. But, you know, they, they made the choice to go anyway. And then this happened, which is yeah, just terrifying. But yeah. And so, yeah, it was a previous injury, but then it even gets the point. You know, he doesn't want to go into the hospital with he doesn't Henry because he doesn't want to slow him down anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And so he, like, takes out a piece of paper and he writes their names on it. Mm-hmm. And so Henry goes in. But up until that point, you see them. They have maps. They're looking at hospital, where different hospitals are, where different things are. You know, they're working together to try to find both their families. And so, you know, Henry... They get to that point where they're on the truck and they have to beg them to allow them five minutes to go inside and look. Mm -hmm. And that's when Carl says, I'm going to slow you down. Take this piece of paper. It's got the names of, you know, my family in it. And so Henry goes into the hospital and starts looking. Yeah, which I, I, I say I hated. I didn't like hate looking like this is stupid, but like. It just like frustrated me, like in a way that was like really tying me into the story. Where it's just like they're all in the same place, but they're missing each other by just a little bit. Where you yeah. have Henry walk down a hallway, and then <laughs> Lucas comes through the door, and he walks over there, and then leaves, and then Henry comes back out the walkway, and then the the truck with the two younger boys is in it, and like they're oh. parked out front of the hospital. Which thank God for Simon's ladder, ladder that could not take it anymore. <laughs> Because that the bus or that van would have just like driven off the truck with them if he wouldn't have jumped out to go pee, which then and I love I love that Tom- Thomas says to him, "Can you hold it?" And he's like, "No," and he nope. gets up and he runs. <laughs> and I'm like, "Good for you! You know you shouldn't have to hold it, you poor little thing." Uh-huh. And so, of course, Thomas gets off the truck as well, mm-hmm. and they go and. At this point, Lucas has seen Henry's shorts. Yeah, I, I love that he recognizes the swim trunks because I, it, earlier in the movie, before the tsunami hit, when they're playing in the pool, Lucas says something about, like, Dad, those trunks look stupid. They look like he's <laughs> making fun of them. And so the fact that then he sees them and immediately recognizes that's his dad was really cool. Yeah, so he goes running. Like, he's trying to catch up with his dad. He can't catch up with him. And then this serendipity, that's the only word I can think of to describe Mm. what happened after Henry goes outside. Yeah. His father has gone to get in the truck. Simon is over there peeing in the bushes. (laughs) And the camera angle, like, going around Lucas until he finally just starts yelling, Dad. Yeah, out of just desperation and frustration he's just screaming at the top of his lungs which i guess henry heard him too and that's why he got yeah. back off the truck to kind of head that yeah. way but thomas and simon were closer and they definitely oh my God. heard his simon voice knew and, right away yeah <laughs> that was just the cutest thing to see and hear him you know they're getting back onto the truck and he's like that's lucas and he just mm-hmm. jumps off and goes running 
and yelling and screaming. And their reunion, I had chills. Like, mm-hmm. the reunion between them. Because we're talking about a big brother who's middle oh, brother. It, it affected me because well, because we get their ages, which is ten, seven and a half, as yes. Thomas likes to admit it. Always. And, and then five, which is, I mean, it affects me very personally because that is my kind of family dynamic. I have two younger brothers. I'm the oldest of three brothers. Mm-hmm. The middle brother is four years younger than me, and then the youngest is two after him. So it's that same, I mean, like, they are the exact age same span. age yeah. span and difference as me and my two younger brothers. So, like, I'm getting emotional right now just, like, talking about it because, yeah, like, it affected me a lot. And I think it's the first time I'm actually, like, getting emotional on this podcast. But, yeah. <laughs> it's okay, Peg. You but can yeah. it out. <laughs> but that, yeah, that affected me a lot because I was like, that could be me and my brothers and so like seeing that dynamic and yeah it's very i think i'm trying to hold it back right now talking about it yeah to see that dynamic because like i could imagine putting myself in lucas's position there of not knowing and just even where he did like earlier give up hope that like my brother yeah. dead they're gone and then to, to see, see them, them and have them just jump in and embrace him like yeah it was it was a powerful moment for sure yeah Thomas, like, <laughs> basically jumped up into him, his arms, like, the, the, yeah. and here comes little Simon behind and seeing that, <laughs> and I'm getting chills again, yeah. just thinking about it, because we see their dynamic earlier where Thomas is annoying his brother, because he's scared on the airplane, and he won't comfort his little brother, because, you know, he's the big brother, and sometimes... When you're the oldest sibling, which I am in my family as well, mm-hmm. um, you don't. You don't comfort them. You, At some point, they become annoying. Yeah. And <laughs> you can't help it. You still love them, but they're, they can be annoying. And seeing that at that point, Lucas's face, seeing his brothers and realizing yeah. they're not dead. I mean, it was... Put it into. I can't put it into words. It was just such a beautiful reunion. Yeah. That was made even better by the fact that Henry has heard it. Mm-hmm. I wish we had seen that. That's one thing I wish they had showed us. Yeah. But Henry has heard it, and he walks to them, and Lucas sees him. And he's just... That's when Lucas is a kid. That's when Lucas becomes the kid. Yep. And stays the kid. Because his dad is here to take yeah. that role. And Lucas can finally just let that go. Because oh, yeah. he's just been in that zone of fluctuating between whatever. It, it's just so hard, you know, for him to try to be strong for his mother. And not break down when, I mean, a 10-year-old... You just can't imagine being 10 years old and going through that. I can't imagine being the age I am and going through that. So exactly. it's just crazy. So yeah. that reunion. Yeah. And you mentioned that is how much weight that takes off of Lucas. Cause you see after they're all like when she, when Maria goes into surgery and they're yeah. just, it's the waiting game at that point. But you see Lucas, finally, he climbs up on that table and With goes the door. to sleep. It's it that is a bed with that door on it. Oh man. It, it was the door that Maria was 
brought in on. I didn't even realize that. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, oh Ugh. my goodness. And when they reun- when he's reunited with his dad, there, you know, they- there's that moment, and then he basically says, "Mom's here. My mm-hmm. mom's alive." And Henry's just like, I don't know how he kept it together. Right. Because not only has he not lost his sons, but his wife is still alive. The odds of that in this, they're just not good odds. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it is, it's one of those things where like, if you just put it in like the like frame of the movie, just like a yeah. story, a movie, I'm like, oh, and then they miraculously all survived. Like how, you know, the odds of that is just like, it almost feels too surreal you're like no that wouldn't have happened and it's unbelievable but the fact again that yeah it's a true story that like this entire family i mean it it was you know (laughs) kike and maria (laughs) balone like yeah and their three sons which were lucas thomas and simon yeah (laughs) like and that they did the entire family somehow was able to survive and reunite with each other like knowing that it did happen this way and it's real like it it's very impactful it is it made me more emotional too because like i said earlier i don't i don't cry but this movie i mean i yeah it was ugly crying it was (laughs) it was serious i was so affected by this knowing that it was true and that this happened it just I couldn't, I couldn't not cry. I just, it just came out. But we did skip over, or actually we haven't skipped over, because we've been talking about Henry. When we get to Lucas, there are some things that happened with Lucas on his, like, on his own adventures that were pretty amazing as well. Yeah. For sure. Which I think that's about all of the notes and stuff that I have on Henry. So we're ready to jump in. Just about, I had one more thing that I wanted to bring up about, it it involves Maria and Henry, Mm -hmm. and it basically is when, when Henry gets up and sees Maria, and she, it's like she feels this weight is off her now because she thinks she's dying, Mm -hmm. and she even asks, you know, am I dead? Yeah. Because she thinks, you know, they they think they, you know, she and Lucas thought they lost them. And she's, you know, she's scared, but she thinks she's going to die. So she just starts telling Henry, you know, take care of the babies. And he just keeps saying, nope, nope, I'm here. I love you. And then she goes into the operating she goes into the operating room and the anesthesiologist wants to wants you know to put her out for the surgery and she's afraid to go to sleep yeah and the doc says oh well, close your eyes and think of something nice well she did not take that advice no she immediately just thinks back to the initial Everything. impact and what happened yeah yeah and we see you know everything that happened to her and it I don't know how she survived it. She's very, very lucky. That's mm-hmm. all I'm going to say with that. Yeah. But now I'm ready to go talk a little bit about Lucas. Oh, yay. Just. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this kid. 
so good. Again, it's like Tom Holland is incredible, but just even outside of him, just the character of of Lucas and in the movie, and then I'm sure even Lucas Willow in real life. Uh, yeah, it's just yeah, it's it's a, it's an incredible story, and like I don't even know where to begin. Um, <laughs> so just yeah. gotta go through my notes. Like I said, you know, I, what I haven't talked about, you know, I go back kind of the beginning because I had some, you know, when they're floating on you know the waves of the initial impact and you know lucas and marie are trying to get back to each other and they're reaching across this mattress for each other and then it hits a pole and they get separated again and just a lot of these like things like there's it's constant tension through that moment and there's other horrifying things going on you see this van hit a guy who's clinging on to something else and then they hear a baby crying from inside that van and oh. then it get and then it gets hit by another wave and toppled and taken under and it's just horrific. Yeah. At that point. And And there's and nothing they could do. There's nothing. Yeah. And there's people clinging to, to trees and poles and stuff. Like also, like you know, you put it from like, you know, these uh, faceless, nameless, you know, other people you see for half a second clinging to a tree, but put it in their perspective. You're seeing a mother and son screaming and yelling for each other, floating down. And you're watching that. You can't do anything for them. No, you can't. You can't. There's nothing no. you can do. I mean, they. you watch it happen. It was a different situation when Lucas and Maria were looking for Daniel. Mm-hmm. When they found Daniel. They weren't in the middle of a current yeah. at that time. They were able to go and find him and help him. Yeah. But... There was really nothing anyone could do. I mean, you can't fight a wave. You just can't. It's not (laughs) something that... Ride it. (laughs) (laughs) You ride the wave. I mean, Mm -hmm. get a surfboard maybe, but even that's not going to help you. I mean, it's just a serious... It was just such a serious thing. Yeah. Like we said earlier in the podcast, this was different for us to go down this road. Yeah. It was a different experience. Uh Uh-huh. But I love, you know, Lucas has this thoughtful kind of mindset that we see him in. I mean, you know, it's it's kind of funny, you know, because, you know, again, we get at the beginning, he's, you know, mom, can I have this, you know, Coke that's in the fridge? And she has this whole thing, which I guess the kids all know about. She's like, if you're thirsty, and then they all just kind of like, then get you some water. Like, they, like, you know, they know, <laughs> like, yeah, oh, okay, health Well, mom, she is whatever. a doctor. Yeah, yeah. she's a doctor. Um, and so it is kind of a funny little callback that he sees his Coke like floating there. And he's like, yeah. and I'm going to put that in my pocket. My pocket. <laughs> and I, I couldn't really tell. I was like, you know, at first, like, it's the little things. It's like, it's like a little like treat for him that he's like, this is something that is like normal, you know, like I need to have this. But I don't know if there was some kind of like planning in his head at the same time, because it did end up coming. And, you know, a lot, you know, being very helpful as they're up there in that tree for could have been hours and hours. Yeah. I'm not sure how long they were up there. That, you know, he's able to, to crack that can and like have his mom and Daniel and him like drink on it and stay some level of hydrated. Yeah. I, I mean, that was lucky to have mm-hmm. that. They were really yeah. lucky to, to have that. For sure. But then... What I really get where I just have my notes where I said, oh, Lucas, this kid is fucking incredible. Like, that's just my note. Oh, I think I know. Is in the hospital where, you know, he's told to go help do something that's helpful because he's good at that. And what ends up kind of just 
by chance happening is because he runs into this Swedish guy who's looking for his family and his sons. And Mr. Bernstrom. Yes. And he, he's taking down names of lo- people's loved ones that they're looking for. And then he's just wandering the entire yep. hospital complex, just yelling these names, hoping that somebody will be one of these people or know one of these people. He and keeps adding moment, to it. Yeah. And he's he keeps like, adding he's, to it the whole time. He's just building this list and it was just awesome. And then I did, I, again, it, it hit me and I'm, I cried when he says, you know, Morton Bernstrom and this kid on this bed, like, yeah, <laughs> like, like what? <laughs> and like, he's trying to communicate because they're Swedish. I believe. And so he doesn't speak English. And so he's trying to be like, you know, your dad, and Papa. Yeah. Your Papa. He's here. And that kid is so ready to jump up off the bed and run yes. with him. And he's like no. trying his best to like, stay rest. I'll go get him. I, and just to see Lucas step into such a like powerful, like helpful and like this role where he's like, I'm here to help people. And he kind of puts himself in charge where he's like, no, you stay. And I you stay and it's too far. You you need to rest. Let yeah. me go. And then they hug just before he goes to find his father, um, mm-hmm. Morton's father. He just gives him this huge hug. Yeah. And it's like. You know, it's just the emotion of this movie. These these moments and the emotion that you feel when you're watching it. And he runs, of course, back to get Mr. Birdstrom. Mm-hmm. And they don't even speak. He just looks at him. He yells to him, and then he looks at him. And then Mr. Birdstrom gets a smile on his face. Yeah, just knows. So cool. Yeah, that part really hit me a lot. Just like in another way where it's like just a powerful, like hopeful moment yeah and it's good to see because you know i talked about lucas losing hope and stuff and i'm jumping ahead a little bit but then when he sees daniel in the hospital and has been reunited with his father and he doesn't go over there and say anything to him he doesn't but just you know you see his eyes get a little teary and he has a smile and like i can tell i was like not only is it just it makes him happy to see that but that was the spark of hope that he needed, that he needed in that time so for, much. for hope, you know, for worrying about his own mother and her situation at that time. Like, yeah, that was the hope he needed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he and he got it at that moment. And then he goes back and that's another opportunity that his mother, you know, asked about her leg. And that's when he said it was still red, even though I'm pretty sure you could tell by the look of on his face. It wasn't still red. Yeah, because then right after that, he immediately goes to the nurse. He's like, we need to do something. Yeah, my um, mom's, yeah, her, it's bad. Yeah. Yeah. And he, yeah, because he tries to tell his mom that he saw Daniel. He wants to share that hope, but like she is so out of it. Like, and he yeah. doesn't have any opportunity. But she asks him what's in the can. Like, is there any more left in the can? Mm-hmm. I'm assuming she's back thinking about the Coke. Yeah. And so he goes in search of getting her water, and that's when he sees his dad. Mm-hmm. Just the shorts. Yeah. The, the really <laughs> bad shorts uh-huh. that he picks on his dad about. Yeah. Which, with Lucas, we did jump over one major thing. Um, is After he, you know, goes on his awesome mission to just, like, try to reunite people. But that's when he returns to his mother. And I, I know he's so excited you know, there's the little kid part of him again, where he's like so giddy, like he wants to go back and tell mom, you know, I, I brought a, a father and son back together. And he's so proud of himself. And he's yeah, 
and he gets back to the bed and it's gone. Like the mattress yeah. has been taken off. She's gone. It's just the frame and they're putting some other guy on there. And yeah. he starts freaking out, which, yeah, absolutely. Of I mean, of course she would. Because where do you jump to? I mean, I immediately jumped to like, oh, she died while he was gone and mm-hmm. they throwed her out and like put somebody else in the place. Like, and for all he knows, that's what happened. Yeah. That's when the nurse takes him, or the doctor, I think she was a nurse, takes him to the tent with all the other kids. Mm-hmm. He's just in the children's area. And like you said, at that point, he's just this lost That's little it. boy again. And Yep. And that it was at that point that they went back into the story and we got to see that Henry and the other two boys were alive. Yeah. Because at that point, I'm thinking, oh, my God. She's just de- Lucas. She's yeah. dead. And what is going to, I mean, what is going to happen with this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, fun note, uh, while he's in that holding area, the, the children's area, and he's looking, you know, he's got his little name tag and it's looking around. It focuses in on a little boy. I think the name like Jay or something like that. And it, it, it lingers on the shot of this kid for a little bit. That was actually... And, you know, they use, like, the twins situation to, like, you know, film with different... So I don't know which twin it was at the time that we really see focus in. (laughs) But that character, that little boy, was Tom Holland's younger brother or younger twin brothers, who one of them (laughs) was in the role when they were shooting (laughs) that. But uh, Sam and Harry Holland played the role. Oh, (laughs) wow. That's neat. I think we talked about that before we were recording. Uh We talked about that. Yeah. Yeah. That is really cool. <laughs> thought that was really cool. Not only do you get to go shoot your first feature film, but your little brothers get to come too. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's you know, a really memorable experience. Which I wonder what kind of effect that has on, on Tom. You know, doing this movie where he's thought he lost and then reunited with his two younger brothers. And then to yeah. have his actual, I mean, I, I, you saw how it affected me. <laughs> yeah. Like, to, then to have, like, his actual, like, two younger brothers with him. While filming this stuff and they're on set too. Yeah. Yeah. That had to have been interesting. I wonder, it makes me want to go look and see if anyone ever asked that question. Yeah. And find out, you know, what the answer is. Because <laughs> yeah, I want to ask that question. If I could spend any amount of time and talk with Tom Holland and pick his brain about things. God, yeah. Because I know you know, for those who maybe listen to the podcast don't know, I've done like, you know, panels and moderating and stuff. And I've, I've met actors before and talked to them. So I have that mindset a lot when I'm like watching movies and shows them certain actors. I'm like, God, if I could just talk to them and ask them this and this and this. Tom Holland is definitely <laughs> one of those like dream, you know, interviews yeah. that I would love to have. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. I'd want to watch that panel. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be a lot of fun. Hmm. Yeah, he's he's so cool. He's, he's just awesome. Great actor. Great, great guy. And so, yeah, just yeah, that would be definitely one of those things. Now, seeing this movie is like there's a lot that I can relate to the character he played and things he did here. I was like, I'd love to take him back to this movie and be like, hey, like, what? let's talk about the impossible. Yeah. Let's talk about where it all started. Mm-hmm. Your first feature film that For you sure. did. Because how? I mean, this movie. Because it was so serious, it is based on a true story. It's more than based on a true story. This is really, you know, for the most part, what happened Yeah. for this family. So everyone has a starting point in their career. 
this film as your first feature film, the intensity, the tension that's in this, the subject matter, it'd be real hard to forget anything to do with it because it's just so deep and so intense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, yeah, as a young actor, that this is quite the, you know, jump into an acting career. It'd be like, well, I mean, if he can handle this, then hell yeah, of course <laughs> he's going to be Spider-Man later of in his career. He, he can handle anything. Of course he is. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So yeah, do you have any other notes about Lucas? Um, let's see. I don't think so other than the little the moment at the end when they're on the plane before they take off and he oh. gets to go back and talk to his mom. And the one thing that he wanted to tell her was that he saw Daniel, like it still was in his head that much that he had to let her know that he was okay. Yeah, yeah. and that he had a family. Yeah. Because I kept trying to think, what is it he wants to tell her? And I, all I could come up with is that it was about Daniel. Mm -hmm. It had to be that he, that he saw him and that he was okay and that he was with his, presumably his father. Because mm -hmm. Maria was really upset about leaving for the hospital and Daniel not being with them. Yeah, whenever they got loaded up on that, <laughs> she was loaded up on the door and they were taking her... Because, you know, a little bit of clarity where she asks, well, where's, where's Daniel? And Lucas like, I, I don't know. I don't know. And yeah, he kind of has that at that point. He's like, but w I'm worried about you right now. Yeah. And, you know, the, it's what it is. <laughs> like, it's another one yeah. of those hard moments. And so it is good that we see that somehow, because I assume, I mean, they wouldn't have left Daniel just out in the wreckage somewhere. He would have followed no. them back to the village. So, like, yeah, he was there. He was with people. Yeah. I'm glad that they closed that door. I'm yeah. glad that we got that closure. And that really did happen. Like, they really did find a little boy named Daniel, and he really did get reunited with his family. So it's, cool. it all is real. Because mm -hmm. I, you know, I looked into some of these things thinking, how much of this is dramatization? Right. There were so many things that actually happened. I was blown away and I stopped looking stuff up. I'm like, I Yeah. I don't like think I, said, I need I, I to anymore. I found that quote from Maria <laughs> Valone that said like the biggest lie in the movie was the fact that the ball was yellow and not red. Like yeah. so it's it kind of shows that they paid a lot of attention. They really listened to the Balone story, like their the family's story and yeah. made sure that things were accurate and really painted the picture. Man. So what other notes do we have on any other characters, any other things? Um, I guess I'll go just kind of through my stuff. You know, I have a little bit on Thomas and Simon, but we covered all of it except for one thing I didn't mention was just the small little moment with the old lady at the little, like, you know, area oh, in the mountains. Yes. That Thomas has this really beautiful moment, you know, where Simon's like asleep on his lap and he's got him covered up in a blanket. And this old lady just asks if she can come sit next to him in, in perfect seven-year-old fashion. He's like, how old are you? Just like, just not afraid to just say well, the first thing comes to his head. But the lady's cool about it. And, you know, <laughs> she talks, you know, I'm almost 74. And you is like seven and a half. It's like, oh, wow. You know, but even like this <laughs> big difference. But they have this real connection where they're looking up at the stars. And, you know, we find out because we do see that on like Christmas night or whatever, the night before everything happened. 
where Thomas couldn't sleep and he's snuggled up with his with with his Maria with his mom in the bed and he's saying, "Can we just go outside and go look at the stars?" And she's like, "Oh, maybe, maybe tomorrow night, maybe." And so he kind of got to do that the next night, he did. even though it's a very different situation. But he had that moment to just look up at the stars, and turns out he knows the names of all the constellations. He's one of those, you know, kids that's really interested in that stuff. And so then to have this older lady that sits there with him and is talking about, you know, oh, you know, the light, you know, from a lot of these, you know, they've already burned out, but the light still reaches us years and years later. And yeah, he's like, so they're dead. And it almost, you know, seems like it could take kind of a dark road, but then it really isn't because he doesn't know where the rest of his family is at this point. No, he doesn't. And so it kind of plays into an analogy of that conversation where it was like, you know, you know, maybe they are, maybe they're not. And we don't know, but we can still appreciate the light that's there mm-hmm. from them and enjoy the view. So it's kind of, it's a way of like a realism, but then also her giving him this hope of like, yeah, we don't know where your family is. We don't know if they're alive or dead, but don't let that, you know, give up hope that they could be. And that whether, whatever the, the truth of that situation ends up being, that they're your family and all of the good, the bad, everything's like, they're there with you, no matter what. You're not yeah. alone here. And that was a beautiful moment that I really love. That was a great moment. The actress that played this, the lady is Geraldine Chaplin, and she is the daughter of Charlie Chaplin. That's awesome. <laughs> so she also was in um, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom and mm-hmm. a host of other things. And she is she also has a daughter named Una, mm-hmm. who was on Game of Thrones. Yep. So acting runs in that family. Yes. Top to bottom. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, yeah, so she's in Fallen Kingdom. So she must know... The director must know Bayana pretty well. I think so. I think it's possible. I don't know. But yeah, it's I'm trying cool. to think. If I have any other notes other than, well, wow, let's uh, end notes on a, a very sad note. But um, <laughs> Carl, touch you back on Carl. Oh. He's one that I feel really bad for. Because we end his story in this film on a really sad note of, you know, telling the driver like, it's okay. We don't have to wait anymore. Let's go. Because he sees Henry is reunited with his family. And as much as that's gotta be a beautiful thing and he's happy for Henry. Mm -hmm. It's also this realization that like, all right, Henry has found his family. They're alive and mine are still gone. And Mm -hmm. he's still all alone in this moment. And then that's the last we see of him. And it that <sighs> hit me. I'm like, man, that's rough. And he was such a good person. Mm-hmm. Like giving his cell phone to Henry so Henry could reach out to the family and let them know. Which in turn, I think, helped facilitate getting Maria out of Thailand. Because yeah. their insurance agent or whoever was there like the very next day. So I feel like... Maria was on a very downward spiral. Yeah. She was real sick. And they were very lucky that they found her. This family, I think they know, and it will come up when I do the little update on them. I think they know how fortunate they are. And they're a very, it's not a big surprise when you look at Lucas running around the hospital trying to reunite people. 
when you read a little bit more about this family and what they do with mm-hmm. their life and their time, you realize that they're just good people. I mean, mm. but there were so many people too that lost, you know, mothers, fathers, children. Not even, the, I mean, we haven't talked about the property damage because that's like not even on my radar really, but I, yeah. I just started thinking about it. It's like, well, if you think about all the people that lost everything um, that lived in Thailand and this was mm. their home, I mean, because, you know, it's something I really didn't think about Yeah. until now that people lost everything and it was their home and the Bellons were you know, vacationing. And a lot of the people impacted were people that were on vacation, but there were also a lot of people that lived there. That was their home. Yeah. And their whole world was just basically, you know, destroyed. Mm-hmm. So there's so much. It makes me honestly want to go and read about what's happened after the tsunami, like to the area, like what the rebuilding, because I know they rebuilt Mm-hmm. a lot of things because they use the same resort yeah to to film this in which i'm sure must have been a cathartic experience for maria to go back there yeah because there was one point and it's in my production notes but i'm gonna spill it here because i think it needs to be here they made sure that she and henry and the boys were in the same exact location in and around the pool that they were when the tsunami hit. Oh, wow. Yeah. That is the level of detail <laughs> that they went to with this film. So I thought that That's was cool. pretty, it's pretty incredible. I mean, yeah. yeah. So other than that, um, I think that's pretty much all of the notes that I have. Except that Thomas was down, was on a tall tree and didn't want to come down. His father had to basically coax him down from the tall tree. Mm-hmm. And Simon was on a palm tree. Um, yeah, I don't really have anything else. Um, I do have a few notes about the tsunami itself, which we did talk about a little bit earlier. It was basically about the recreation of the tsunami. They recreated it with a mix of digital effects and real water surges that they filmed in slow motion um, and created in a Spanish water tank using miniatures that were destroyed by the huge wave. And um, Bayano wanted to use real water to make it more realistic. And Watts and Holland spent five weeks filming in a massive water tank, which proved to be both physically and psychologically demanding. Yeah, I could imagine. As you can imagine. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So the, those are all the notes that I have on the film itself. All right. I can give you some updates on the family. Absolutely. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> so Maria Ballone travels around the world as an advocate for survivors of the tsunami and gives motivational speeches about how she overcame the turmoil and two years of recovery following her injuries. Mm. Took a long time. Yeah. Enrique Alvarez, a.k.a. Henry, 
volunteers his time at the NGO Proactiva Open Arms, which helps refugees arriving on the Greek coast from Turkey. Lucas is now 27 and a doctor Mm -hmm. who was involved in the fight against the coronavirus. He wanted to be a doctor from the time he was 10 years old, especially while he was sitting at the bedside of his mother while they were in Thailand. That's just incredible. Isn't it? It's fantastic. Yeah, that we see, you know, in the film adaptation, you know, like seeing Lucas running around and helping people in this hospital situation and that that sparked something in him where he was like, this is what I want to do with my life professionally, like for real, is be able to help people in hospitals. And the fact that he's done that now is incredible. It is. It really is. Tomas studied at Atlantic College in Wales because of its renowned lifeguard program. He also completed a BS in science, technology, and international affairs at Georgetown. And Simon is a trained lifeguard that works with Proactiva Open Arms, just like his dad, and is still in school studying anthropology and politics at University College Utrecht in the Netherlands. That's awesome. So the family as a whole are very much involved in giving back and helping other people. Mm -hmm. So that was a rabbit hole that I went down. That's really cool, though. Yeah, it was really cool to get to, you know, see that they're doing okay and what what they're doing. Because, I mean, it's been, my gosh, six, almost, no, it's been 17 years since the tsunami hit, I believe. So, yeah. Awesome. That is what I have there. <laughs> Do you have right. any other notes? That is all that I have. So I'll let you just keep on going. All right. This is I your can time do to that. talk a bunch. Go. It's my time? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll talk a okay. bunch when we get to feedback and stuff later. <laughs> okay. I get to talk a bunch. Okay. That sounds good. (laughs) All right. So the director decided not to specify the nationalities of the main characters in order to create a universal film in which nationalities were relevant to the plot. I think that was pretty apparent. Mm -hmm. He didn't take any liberties and wanted the movie to reflect a real life story as close as possible which I brought up a few minutes ago including the accuracy of where they were standing around the pool when it happened, mm-hmm. which I thought was, I mean, that's really going yeah. real deep. So we <laughs> already mentioned that Maria Ballon was on set in Thailand. It must have been cathartic to be in some of those locations, I'm sure. If, if you think about, you know, the hospital and the resort and everything. And they, they stayed pretty true to form with that. Um, she actually chose Naomi Watts to play her in the film, <laughs> saying that Naomi Watts was her favorite actress after seeing her in the film 21 Grams, which is a pretty good film. It's really deep. She worked with the screenwriter, which we talked about, and and that was in order to make sure that the story was accurately told, including rescuing the boy Daniel from Sweden. <laughs> Uh, Naomi Watts was nominated for a Best Actress Oscar for her portrayal of Maria, but was beaten by Jennifer Lawrence, who received it for Silver Linings Playbook. Here's an interesting tidbit. For the underwater scenes, Watts was strapped in a rotating chair, 
At one point, it malfunctioned, and instead of stopping, it went spinning in the other direction. Can you imagine being underwater and being <laughs> spun in a chair in the first place? But then right. instead of you're indicating you need a break, and instead of it stopping, it just spins you in the other direction? Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's like some crazy ride that you would have at an amusement park. Right. Except yeah, underwater, no. where you can't breathe and you need up. <laughs> yeah, it's no, terrifying. not a fan. Not good. <laughs> uh, we talked about the color of the ball. Um, mm-hmm. Many of the extras in the film were survivors of the tsunami. That's cool. It took a year to put together the 10-minute recreation of the moment the wave hit the Cowlock Resort. And they only had one chance to shoot the tsunami flood. It would have been too expensive to reshoot. Can you imagine, like, you're directing a film and this is your only opportunity. You know you can't shoot it again, and what if something goes wrong? Right. <laughs> I don't know what to do. I mean, I don't I don't know what you do. You make yeah. it work somehow in CG with CGI, I guess. Um, the film won, and this is my last point, the film won five Goya Awards, sp- which are Spain's national film annual film awards kind of i guess maybe like the oscars in spain i'm not Mm -hmm. sure it basically honors the best in spanish film yeah it's pretty amazing and that is all i have for production notes there were a lot but we talked about a lot of them throughout our discussion so yeah all right well now it's time to get into some quotes and yeah and i've used a lot of mine already so yeah I have I have two. Yeah. And one of them you mentioned earlier. So I, I you know, I said, you know, I thought that, yeah, when Maria first sees her whole family again and her first question is, am I dead? Was yeah. powerful because she's like, yeah, I mean, everything she's been through. And then she just sees every, her husband and the two other boys like right there. And there's no way this is real. Like, yeah, no, it's not real. It's, <laughs> it's not real. <laughs> Yeah, and then the other one is a two-part that happens two different points in the movie, and I think you have it on yours, and I'm stealing it, but... <laughs> you go right ahead, Peg. Yeah, but but I thought it was really cool, just like this, like, you know, showing these two things, is we get on the plane where Maria gets up to go sit with Lucas, because he's him and Thomas aren't getting along or whatever. If I was, you know, Thomas is scared of the plane jumping around and stuff, and Lucas is giving a hard time about it. So she goes back and says, you know, just give him, you know, be nicer to your brother. He's, you know, he's just scared. And Lucas responds, everything scares him. And then the plane kind of turbulence hits and Maria freaks out for just a second. And then he kind of laughs and smiles at her. And he's like, I wonder who he takes after. (laughs) And then later at the hospital where he's trying to get her to eat this tangerine that he's peeled. And he says, you need to eat something. Eat it. And she takes it, but then she goes, so bossy. And he responds with, I wonder who I take after. <laughs> I love that, too. <laughs> I love that connecting thing. Yeah. Between the two. Like, because it, it is, it's really just this continuation. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, I only have one. Because mm-hmm. I've already read the one about Henry when he's talking with Thomas and Simon about what scared him the most. Mm-hmm. So the one I have left is when Maria was laying in bed and before surgery, she tells Lucas, 
Lucas, look at this place. They're so busy in here. You got to go and do something. Go help people. You're good at at it. Mm -hmm. And that's all I have. (laughs) Yeah. Not a lot of quotes because I feel like so much of this movie, it wasn't even the, the dialogue. It was the facial reaction, the body language that told the story. Yeah. So much more than quotes. So then that means we get to our rankings. This will be interesting. <laughs> it will be interesting because I feel like this movie has to stand on its own. Yeah. It can't be compared to Snakes on a Plane or Godzilla or The Day After <laughs> Tomorrow or Love and Monsters. It can't be compared to any of those films because uh-uh. it's a realist, It's a real disaster film mm-hmm. and the work that was put into it. Yeah. So I think it's really difficult. But, and I don't mind going first because I stand behind my ranking. (laughs) All right. So this movie, I feel like the effort that went into making it be authentic, the acting and the effects, and the way that they were able to tell the story without tons of dialogue I, at the end of the day, could not rank it any lower than a 9.5. Wow. I had to do it. <laughs> and I don't break that out very often, Pake. No, you don't. Man, oh, I feel dear. like I'm doing a disservice to it if I'm following <laughs> that. Um, oh, boy. Man, yeah. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and say what my, my initial gut reaction, what I went with was 8.8. Okay. That's Okay. We don't have to agree. Rough and a lot of stuff. I think I could easily bump that up to a nine and be perfectly happy with doing that. But yeah, I mean, because there's nothing really to complain about with this movie. No, there isn't. At all. So yeah, it's just. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's where I'm at on that. Okay. to say. Ooh, I wonder what people have to say about this movie. Yeah, I'm excited to hear what they have to say. We took so, them to a real dark place this week. Yeah. So I might as well go ahead and answer this real quick. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see what they said. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We've got a little bit of feedback this week. We do. Go ahead, jump into it. This first one comes from our friend Jerry. He says, one of the best comedies ever. Oh, wait. Oh, no. He's talking about Cabin in the Woods from last week. Oh, good. Oh, so like, make sure yes. we clarify. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. Cabin in the Woods. <laughs> like- he loves this movie. He told me um, on a Zoom game night the other night, he was he told me that this is one of his favorites. It makes him laugh and mm-hmm. he really enjoys it a lot. Again, clarifying. Cabin in the Woods from last Cabin week. Cabin in the Woods, not the impossible. <laughs> or two weeks ago, actually. We had a Geostorm last week. Two weeks ago. Yeah. People are a little behind. We're getting Cabin in the Woods feedback this week. Yeah. <laughs> a few... Fu- that... You know what, though? We like it. Even if it's a couple weeks yeah. later, or even if it's one of our earlier episodes and you really liked it, let us know. We're happy to get your feedback. For sure. So, again, thanks, Jerry, for letting us know you love Cabin in the Woods. I'm sure you listened to that episode a couple weeks ago, so you know, so do I. <laughs> yes. Pig loves it. Which we actually do have, strangely enough, another cabin in the woods kind of follow up and feedback from another friend of ours, Derek. So Yes, we do, Derek. So I'll take this yeah. one. Derek says, 
Love this movie and really enjoyed the podcast, too. If you want to see more of Fran Kranz, a.k.a. Marty, he played a central role on both seasons of Joss Whedon's Dollhouse. He was the lovable, quote, nerd on there. I really enjoyed his work on that. I remember him from Dollhouse. Yes, I loved never that Never watched show. that one. Oh, it was great. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> All right, and then we do have feedback for this week on The Impossible as well. So yes. get to those. Of course, the uh, feedback from Twitter. Our good friend Tony always coming through over there. And she says, I did see this one a couple times. So scary, intense. The little boys lost on their own just broke my heart. Such a good movie. <gasps> yeah. Yep, I'm, I'm with you on that. And if you've listened to this episode, then uh, yeah, you know just how... Uh, <laughs> how deeply that did affect me so yeah that was a first for this podcast i think <laughs> oh it was it was but you know sometimes you just have to mm -hmm. a movie will hit you in a certain way that it just evokes this emotion yeah and you can't control it and it's okay mm -hmm. it's okay <laughs> be free to be you and feel things yes <laughs> feel whatever you need to yeah and then Finally, rounding it out this week, also here on The Impossible, is we do have a voicemail from Steve with his patented pending, maybe. But it is hashtagged now. It's out there. It is hashtagged. <laughs> it is hashtagged. Steve is live actually using. Yep. <laughs> hashtag live steving. It's a hashtag. <laughs> it's catching a lot of attention, so I'm excited for Steve with his new brand of feedback so we might as well get to it and let's hear what he thinks about the impossible all right hello pick and daphne this is steve and this is for the impossible this is the one i think i've seen it before but i think i've only seen it once this is a very cute family um do they really do this where they put the those send those things off into the into the sky those lanterns is that true because wouldn't that be bad wouldn't they fall down eventually I guess jet lagged kids don't wake up early on Christmas Day, huh? I gotta get all my, my funny stuff out because I know this is a true story and the subject matter is real heavy. So I gotta get all my funny stuff out before the bad stuff happens or before it gets serious. Yeah. Oh, I just grimaced when that branch went right into her and the blood. Mm -hmm. Wow. I'm, I'm getting, I'm tearing up already. I mean, these Naomi Watts and Tom Holland, even as a little kid, man, really good acting right here. Would be tough to remain hopeful in this situation. But uh, the kid going straight to his brother's being dead. And I'm getting choked up. I'm still getting choked up. This movie is going to wreck me. Oh, another scene that's getting me choked up. Is this these villagers helping? Gosh, I just... <laughs> wow. This is just a really good... Oh, it's so good to see people helping each other in a disaster. And, and we know that this, this happens. And for every piece of crap, there is 10 good people out there. Mm -hmm. I don't even have the words for the this whole pulling the whatever that was out of her throat scene because, oh, yeah. whoa. Oh, that was bad. Wow, that's impressive. I don't know how old this kid is supposed to be, but she's telling him to go out and help people. Wow. Why isn't she telling him where his mom is? Like, I understand you want to get all this other information, but... Yeah. Just tell the kid where his mom is. Yeah, I'm just going to lie here for a minute. <laughs> you make it back to your room, and then you hurt yourself. 
I don't know if wandering around in the dark was the best choice for him, but I'm sure <laughs> glad he that somebody found him and brought him somewhere safe, at least for the night. Yes. Okay. Part of me hopes that this is not entirely true, that they made this kid wait hours before they told him his mom was alive. Don't tell me they're going to just miss each other at this hospital. I was so scared of that. Oh, come on. <laughs> and it's getting me again with these kids. Oh, man. Oh. Such a great feel-good true story movie. Uh, all right. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. That was awesome. Uh, that was amazing, Steve. We both got to to be emotional together in some of the same places in the movie. So yeah, we stand as brothers in solitude there. <laughs> it was rough, I think, at times, just because it is a serious movie, and I it's the first one that we've done that I've cried at. I think. It's, it's definitely not a... the first time for me while watching the movie. <laughs> oh, no, I forgot Love and Monsters. Oh, that one. Yeah, but this was the first, I think, real serious based on a true story movie yeah. that we've covered. And it invoked all sorts of emotions. And I remember Mark suggested it to me one night way back. And I don't know why we picked it for right now, like to cover it this week. Yeah. But I'm glad we did, because I just think it's a really special movie. And I'm glad, even though it's not your usual creature feature, monster, disaster movie that we cover. I mean, we've covered ones like Greenland and Day After Tomorrow and Dante's Peak. None of those were true. This one was, and it was so based so much, in fact, that I think... It's easy to get choked up and emotional when you watch yep. it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, again, thanks so much to everybody who left your feedback on this movie and on previous movies. And anybody who would like to do that, if you'd like to leave feedback now for this episode of The Impossible after we've covered it, or for anything we all, else we've covered, or for anything we will cover, maybe next week, we'll find out what that is shortly. <laughs> then you can leave any of that feedback, you know, in a couple different places. You can go to Facebook. Just facebook.com slash run for your lives podcast. You can email us and send us voicemails at run for your lives podcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at RFYL podcast and Instagram at run for your lives podcast. Above all, though, if you're enjoying the show, please share the love in different ways. You can go to Apple Podcasts and give us some reviews and ratings, or you can just tell your friends and family and people you know who listen to podcasts and love movies as much as we do to check us out. On all of those social media platforms are all the podcast players, and you can get links to all of those at runforyourlivespodcast.com. Yes. Mm -hmm. You can. <laughs> all right. I'll give a couple shout outs to things going on in the podcast universe around us, as I do every week. First, again, of course, Strange Indeed is back and running. Me and Rima are covering the Apple TV original, Lisey Story, which is created, written, and adapted screenplay everything by Stephen King. It's the first time he's taken one of his own books and like also done this like writing for the show. It's a really important one for him. And so far we've done, you know, three episodes and I'm really liking it right now. So I definitely recommend to check it out. If you have Apple TV, it's a good one to check out. I'm so <laughs> glad that you and Rima are enjoying it because like I've said it a million times, 
It's one that I love and I know it can be complicated, but I think you guys are doing great so far in covering it. And I look forward to listening to the most recent episode that should be out when this drops. Yeah, it should be out today. And then you have wrapped up your coverage yes. of how of uh, Handmaid's Tale season four over on House Podcastica, which has been awesome. So how how has that been? <laughs> It has been so much fun covering a show that's we- that's a weekly show. Getting to podcast with Jason and Wendy has been so much fun. It's different than covering a movie. I feel like with a movie, you can cover it. And when it's over and you're done, you're done. With the show, you really have to stay connected to everything that's happened and start thinking about what could happen and just really be prepared and I'm grateful for the opportunity. I'm glad that Jason asked me and I'm super stoked. Uh, we recorded the finale episode and I hope that everyone gives it a listen because it was a lot of fun to cover this very deep and disturbing show. But I feel like Wendy and Jason and I did a really good job with it. Yeah, you absolutely did. I listened all the way through every week. Thank you. It was always so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> then, of course, talking about sh- uh, shows... Ending their season. Oh, goodness. Our good friends Jason and Lucy over on the Walking Dead cast just wrapped up the season finale of the of Fear of the Walking Dead, season six. Um, so if you love Fear of the Walking Dead, don't listen to that podcast because uh, yeah. <laughs> it is a two-hour hate fest of that dud of a finale. But, you know, if you watch Fear of the Walking Dead and know how terrible it is, then definitely check out that podcast because they have a yeah. great time ripping it apart and just yeah just it's turned into hate watching at this point which they usually don't like to do but there's nothing else you can do with fear right now right (laughs) yeah i think that uh jason even announced that that was the last episode of fear they're going to cover yeah they're not going to cover season seven of course they said that last season too and then they ended up doing this so they did i just we'll see (laughs) i don't know i I think the way that this that was a final nail in the coffin this it was i think I think it was. I feel like when you have a show like that, (laughs) that comes out and you love the characters and you love what the actors are trying to do with what they have and it just isn't working and you just feel bad about it. Then you go and you cover something like The Handmaid's Tale that's got a great cast and great writing and great attention to detail. Yeah. It just points out the obvious that there are severe deficiencies in some of what fear is doing and i feel bad because i mainly the walking dead yeah the writing is because the actors and the characters are great it's just they are it's just so poorly written they're just messing (laughs) yeah it they're messing with characters that they've turned them into something that i never imagined they would be some of the characters Mm -hmm. and i feel for the people that are in the roles because it's not easy no. It can't be easy. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, on a lighter note, uh, yeah. shows that are good right now. Of course, you can run around. If you are a fan of Loki on Disney+, Plus, Marvel fan like myself and Daphne, yes. then you can check out Mark and Steve over on Panels to Pixels. Or our good friend Derek and his co-hosts covering it on TV Podcast Industries as well. Yes. And then TV Podcast, TV Podcast Industries also doing The Bad Batch. Still, that's still going over on Disney+, Plus as well. So if you're a Star Wars fan, also be checking that out. Oh, yeah, definitely. (laughs) 
Adrenaline Cinema is back as Mark and Jerry are expressing their love for Ray Harryhausen when they are discussing the 1963 film Jason and the Argonauts. I haven't seen that film in a very long time, and <laughs> listening to them makes me want to go back and check it out again. Yeah. It's been so long. I haven't seen it. I, I feel like you need to, Pig. <laughs> you, you need to. We keep picking away at those earlier movies on the po- on our podcast, but... I mean, hey, we're going to the that, same year yeah. next week. We're going to 63 next week, oh. right here on this podcast. <laughs> yes, But we before are. you hear what that is, one last shout out. Our good friend Ben on Wilhelm is out this week. Him and Mark are talking all things their favorite John Cusack movies. Yes. So if you're a big fan of Cusack and his films, then definitely check out Wilhelm. They're going to be talking all things that, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I think both of us are slated for future episodes. We just haven't recorded yet. Yeah, hopefully I'll get mine done pretty soon with him. Yeah, looking forward to it. Coming up. Yeah. <laughs> but all right, last thing on the agenda. Daphne, I've teased it a couple times, but what is happening <laughs> next week here on Run For Your Lives? <laughs> next week, we're going way back to 1963 as we visit beautiful Bodega Bay and talk all things the birds. Yay. <laughs> Alfred Hitchcock directed this horror film towards the end of his career and discovered a young Tippi Hedren who makes her feature debut. We enjoyed this slow burn where birds attack a small California coastal community and the residents have a hard time accepting that it's really happening. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. What a feature film debut for actors. We had Tom Holland this week and then get a tippy hedge and we're going way back. But <laughs> We are. We are. If anyone out there has ideas for movies we should cover, let us know. We do have a great long list, but we know that there could be some that we miss and we would love to be, we'd love for them to be pointed out, especially some of the independent films, because I feel like they don't get enough attention and maybe we can shed a little light on it. We've done that a couple of times already. (laughs) Who better to know what we should cover on this podcast than the people who listen to it, because they're the ones who are going to want to hear about these movies exactly tell us what you want to hear us talk about what do you want to watch and and send us feedback for (laughs) yeah we did have a little bit of news um pick and i found out that greenland which is a movie that we covered a while back i think it was Uh back in december is slated potentially for a sequel yeah not sure how that's gonna work interesting don't know what that's gonna be but we're not really sure what's gonna happen (laughs) with it but very much like attack the block We thought we would share that news with you guys. Um, If you liked Greenland, they are potentially working on a sequel. I guess we'll we'll keep our our ears open, our eyes open to to see if there's any news in the future. Mm -hmm. And we'll mention it. We'll hop on that plane when we get there. We'll hop on (laughs) that plane when we get there. (laughs) And with that, we have reached the end of another episode. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I'm Daphne. And I'm Pake. And if you have to run, you better run for your lives. Bye-bye.